It's August. Big Ten teams will play football this month. So what are the biggest keys to success for each team in being able to do what it wants to in 2022? You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week. And it's August, which means it's football season again, and that means that we are back to every single weekday, Monday through Friday, keeping you up to date and keeping you in the know as we lead up to the start of the season on the gridiron in the Big Ten. Looking up at today's show, we're going to take a little bit of a broader look here. Over the next month, we're going to get all sorts of individual team previews in here. I got some other ideas on stuff we want to do to try and make it the best preseason in preparation for the season we can do here. But right now, I just wanted to take a, a little bit of a, again, broader helicopter look at each individual team. Try to figure out maybe with a little bit more accuracy, at least my thoughts going into things and organize things as to what I think the biggest key to success is for each one. Now, success means a different thing for every team in the Big Ten, of course, and we'll get into that too. But I do think there's at least something that I have my eye on for each individual team that I think we can talk about here on the show today. Before we get into any of that, thank you as always for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen of the day. When you're done here, be sure to find whatever your individual Big Ten school is and follow their show. They're posting every single day leading up to the football season as well. Now let's dive into what we have here with these teams. I think that it's best to start with the teams where the quarterback position is, of course, the biggest question. I got a list of, I think it might even be five or six teams here where to be quite honest, a lot of really cool conversations will be had about this team and what they can and can't do. But also, with a lot of teams, it really does come down to whether the quarterback can do it or not. And I don't want to waste time talking about other things when, like for a Wisconsin Badgers team, so much of it will be whether or not Graham Mertz can do it when he steps onto that football field. Uh, Wisconsin's one of the more interesting ones, I guess, and we'll start the conversation with the Badgers. Graham Mertz is a guy where he can be, of course, flashes of great, and the expectations have been there with him before, but now I feel like he's got kind of a nothing-to-lose situation going in him here, in that Wisconsin fans, I don't think, expect him to do all that much. They can hope and they can pray, of course, but I don't think the expectation is for him to be much of anything with what they've seen so far. So if he can be really good, Wisconsin can be really good too. And there's a chance Wisconsin, of course, is just really good whether he's good or not because that's what Wisconsin does. I don't think they take that big of a hit in the backfield with the new running back quarterback there. Offensive line, of course, is still going to be Wisconsin. They're still going to play Wisconsin football, which is the biggest thing. But of course, the big question mark as to whether or not Wisconsin can be a good Wisconsin team or a great Wisconsin team, which, to be fair... That is the line for Wisconsin now, between good and great. That difference is the difference in whether or not Graham Mertz steps onto the field and is even a fraction of what people thought he could be, or is he going to be the guy who was, what was it? I think it was like eight touchdowns, six interceptions total in what he had last season. That's not good enough. If he can be better, if he can be decent, Wisconsin can be really good. 
But you'll hear we're going to talk about that with a lot of these teams here. Another team that I think has that same kind of quarterback situation, but in a little bit of a, I guess, more optimistic sense is Purdue, in that the ceiling is so high if Aiden O'Connell can get the job done and be really, really good. This was last season with Jeff Brom, something I didn't realize until I was looking it up for this show. The best record Purdue had had since 2003. Best record, of course, under Jeff Brom as the head coach. So expectations are high here going into this season for O'Connell, for this Purdue offense. I expect it to be really fun to watch again. I expect it to be able to put up a whole lot of points on the board. But again, I think it all depends. The difference between Purdue being a decent or good Big Ten team and a team that could really compete on that side of the Big Ten of all places, that's going to be Aiden O'Connell. That's going to be the guy where you're looking at it and it's like, okay, this is someone who, if he can excel, Purdue cannot just win, but dominate in a Western side of the Big Ten that, again, is looking pretty, pretty weak. Uh, another team that I have under that kind of quarterback is the make or break of it situation is Minnesota, but not just because of Tanner Morgan, but because of offensive coordinator Kirk Siroka, who is back with Minnesota after leaving for a couple of years, going to, the, or going to Penn State it was. He comes back. He was the guy who was running this offense when Tanner Morgan was leading Minnesota to double-digit wins, to the big win over Penn State. That is back in Minnesota. If he can bring that magic back with him to the Gophers, to Tanner Morgan, to the Big Ten former running back of the year, Mo Ibrahim, and to an offensive line that should be pretty good again. If that defense on Minnesota is still decent, which I believe it can be, despite losing a couple of players to the NFL, that Minnesota team has the potential to be really good again. But it depends on what Tanner Morgan can do. Can he, again, just be consistently good instead of the occasionally great that he has been in these last couple of seasons? That's the big, big, big difference for a team like Minnesota, a team like Purdue, a team like Wisconsin. All three of those teams, a, a different levels, I think, have their gauge of success really leaning on how much that quarterback position can do. For Minnesota, it's beating Wisconsin and Iowa. That's still something P.J. Fleck hasn't done both twice, like beaten both in one year. For Purdue and Wisconsin, that's probably heading to the Big Ten championship game. It's all, of course, relative, but I think that success depends on what the quarterback is going to do. A couple of teams on the other side of the bracket that are other side of the bracket, other side of the Big Ten, other division that are in the same kind of boat. Uh, Maryland with Talia Tungavailoa. We've talked about how Tungavailoa could be a big, big breakout candidate. He has the arm. He has more familiarity, familiarity with this offense. I think he has some pieces that are going to be able to work for him. If he can really, really show out this season, Maryland can be really, really good. But there's a lot of question marks for that Maryland team to try and figure out, too, and weapons around him to replace. So, again, it really depends on him, but there's other things for Maryland to get done as well. The tops for, for the Terrapins is like, even if Talia Tungavaloa does really well, they're looking at like three, four losses at least, right? So, if they can get to like a 7, 8, 9 win region, that's like ecstatic, insanely good season for a Maryland Terrapins team. So, of course... Again, different levels of where you're at here. Uh, on Penn State, I do not have them in the quarterback group. Sean Clifford definitely needs to be really consistent and be a lot better in the way that the other quarterbacks I list here do. 
But uh, on the Penn State side, I said offensive line just because they were the worst in the Big Ten last season. And I think maybe getting that offensive line a little bit better can allow Sean Clifford to get a little bit more relaxed in this offense and over the course of a season allow him to become maybe a little bit closer to the quarterback he had been in previous seasons, which again, was never best in the Big Ten, but was good enough to have Penn State at a really good spot at points in his run as the starter. That's really what you're looking to get back to with all these guys, really. Like, if you're a Minnesota fan, you're hoping to get Tanner Morgan, not to the top of the Big Ten in quarterbacks, but to the point that he was when you upset Penn State. If you're Sean Clifford and a Penn State fan, you're trying to get Clifford back to where you were before you lost that game to Minnesota and were 8-0. It's really all about trying to get back to where you once were. Graham Mertz, you, you've seen the flashes with him. Wisconsin's been on the top and never really fallen off. But you think about what you could be if he was even better. It's all about... The things that you've seen from these guys already and how they end up kind of jumping into that next level. And it's really about fantasizing about what that means for your team. What bringing a quarterback to the next level can do for the rest of an offense and in turn the rest of an entire roster. Because we've seen how that position alone can entirely change a course of a game, course of a season. It's the most important position in all of the sports. There's a reason why I think I have, uh, I listed just like five, six, maybe I'm even missing more. To pin down just to that quarterback position is like, hey, this is obviously the biggest part of it. We can talk about other things with Wisconsin. We can talk about other things with a team like Maryland. But when it comes down to it, sometimes it really is just, hey, what's the quarterback going to do here? And I think that's the case with these teams. We'll talk more about some of the other teams and biggest keys around the Big Ten as we continue along the show here today. Today's show is brought to you in part by LinkedIn Jobs. If you go to LinkedIn Jobs, you can post a job for free right now and get your position out to the biggest network of professionals in all of the internet. We're talking about 810 million people out there on LinkedIn looking for jobs. And if you go to linkedinjobs.com slash college, no, I'm sorry, linkedin.com slash locked on college. I butchered that. LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. You can post your job for free today. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn. You can be one of the jobs that they see when you go to linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Again, thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen of the week. Every single weekday, Monday through Friday, we're back with you here on the show. We've got a big, big month coming up of shows here. I've got a couple of different things planned to try and get us ready for football season. It's going to be a whole lot of fun either way, but we'll talk, of course, team previews. I'm thinking about getting some hosts in here to have some like maybe biggest debates about who the best players at each positions are between schools going into the season. Maybe, of course, talk position battles as we've got a few interesting ones to talk about as we go through this month of preseason before football gets kicked off. So it'll be a whole lot of fun. And no matter what we do, of course, we'll have all the coverage on everything going on in the preseason here on the show. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube too. It's Locked On Big 10, Locked On Big 1 Zero. Let's keep going through schools here and talk about what teams need to do. Uh, we haven't talked about Ohio State yet. Of course, the Buckeyes are at the top. I just put in my notes, don't mess it up. Because 
as we've talked about all summer, as we'll continue to talk about throughout the start of this season, and as we did all last year, up until the point that Ohio State loses, I really do believe that this year, more than last year even, Ohio State's a step above everybody else as far as just the talent goes. Of course, you can get beat any given week. Michigan beat Ohio State convincingly last season. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about as long as we're still projecting about how good teams are. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that anyone's better than Ohio State really anywhere across the board. Because I'd be lying to you if I could say that definitively. This team is good, good, good. Every single position group, every single box has been checked. And the amount of guys who have already even proved themselves is insane. I mean, you have, of course, C.J. Stroud back. Travion Henderson's there. Jackson Smith and Jigba has been incredible already and being touted as the best wide receiver in all of college football after going behind two current NFL wide receivers now. This team is elite, good. And again, when I say all they have to do is don't mess it up, it really is that simple if you ask me for Ohio State. Of course, it won't be that simple when we get into the late months, but as far as what we can talk about projecting right now, on paper, there's nothing to talk about. The team is that good, and they're going to be that good until they're proven wrong. Moving on. Michigan, of course, the team that beat Ohio State, has a whole lot of momentum going its way. The big key, though, for the Wolverines, while they have the exciting quarterback battles to talk about, and people will be talking about McNamara versus McCarthy and all of that. The biggest question for Michigan is on the defensive side of the football. They've got a new play caller on defense. They have to replace, of course, Ajabo and Hutchinson in that defense. That's huge, huge pieces to try and fill. Normally, with a team like Michigan, I would say, hey, this team recruits behind Ohio State, the best in the Big Ten. There should be talented players there to replace them, and I'm sure there are talented players there to replace them. But when you lose a guy like Hutchinson and Dojaba, too, it's a couple of guys where you really, really can't replace what they did on the field with a guy who hasn't already been on that field with even the Michigan players, I'd say. Even if you brought in like an experienced transfer, that guy's not Aiden Hutchinson. So on that aspect of things, of course, Michigan has a whole lot to try and replace, but obviously the football talent just alone is a big, big hole in that defense too. So we'll see what Michigan's defense looks like in particular, because it was a big, big part of beating Ohio State, but the reason why Michigan was able to win football games at times where the offense wasn't always great. Offense was really good at times for the Wolverines, but not always. And if that ends up being the case where there are some sort of hiccups, that defense is going to need to be able to bend, not break in a way that it did last season. I'm not sure if I'm confident it can. Michigan State Spartans over on the east side as we continue to run down these teams. Biggest question mark still is defending the pass. Uh, Peyton Thorne has a whole lot to try and figure out without Kenneth Walker III there anymore. But they get Jalen Berger in from Wisconsin to try and fill that hole. Michigan State's run game I still have confidence in. The only way I think this switches over to offensive worries for Michigan State is if that offensive line and run game ends up being so much worse that it affects Peyton Thorne's ability to play the quarterback position. Because as long as he's what he's been for Michigan State, and the running game is at least a fraction of what it's been for Michigan State, even though, again, Kenneth Walker isn't there, 
then that offense should be good enough still most of the time. My biggest question is still by far, how did the Spartans stop the pass? Because it was the biggest question mark last season, and there's no reason to suggest that it's been figured out yet until we see that. But I think there is that small, small chance that for whatever reason, the running game takes such a turn back that it ends up affecting the offense as a whole and what Peyton Thorne can do. Then that becomes the biggest concern, if you ask me. But as at the moment, just too much of a glaring hole in that secondary for Michigan State to worry about anything else. Priority number one. Uh, we already talked about Penn State. I, I had, again, the offensive line. Uh, Manny Diaz is there running things on defense, too, which is interesting, of course, too. Uh, Penn State lost pieces on defense last year, but still has some NFL-caliber pieces there, too. I think if he knows and utilizes those pieces the best that they can be utilized, then that defense could be really good. Then Penn State's a really interesting team in that East Division. But right now, I think it's just a little bit too many question marks there on the defense. And then, of course, the offensive line needs to get a little bit better, too. Uh, Rutgers in Indiana, I think, again, the measure of success is a little bit different here. For Rutgers, you just have to find a quarterback. Battle, battle going on right now there. Indiana's the same way. Find a quarterback, but still a lot to do for both of those teams. So I think more than anything else, you have to try and look at what they have as far as new coaching because new play callers are on both of those staffs. Uh, for Greg Schiano, maybe it's time for him to think about like job security. Tom Allen doesn't have that problem in Indiana yet. But I think you need to, on both rosters, both with both schools, have at least some sort of confidence in what the new regime is doing by the end of the season. Because you have, again, new play callers there, new guys trying to call the shots, and that doesn't always work out right away. But there's, of course, uh, something you'll hear with all these kind of middle-of-the-pack teams throughout the course of this month is that success isn't necessarily measured in wins and losses. These teams only play 12 games. The difference between 7-5 and five and 6-6 six and six isn't as big as the differences that we're seeing on the field. That's something coaches will say throughout the entire season, really, but especially in these months leading up and weeks leading up to the season. I think that Rutgers and Indiana are going to be the prime kind of candidates for those kind of motivational speeches and coach speak that you'll hear in press conferences and stuff like that. I think the only other team we're missing, ah, we have the bottom of the Big Ten West and then Nebraska too, of course. Uh, Nebraska, the talent is there. We know this. So the big thing will be again, in a different, again, situation, how does this new coaching staff and new regime take over and make things look better? Because a lot of people are surprised Scott Frost is still there even now. His coordinators from before are not still there. So in a year that, of course, everyone's on the hot seat, you have yourself an offense and defense that is supposed to have enough returning talent and transfer talent coming in that a lot of smart people are saying Nebraska could be a good football team this year. A team that has not been over 500 since Scott Frost got there, and to be quite honest, hasn't really even gotten close. I'm hearing things where Nebraska could be potentially competing for that side of the Big Ten, and as we get closer and closer to the preseason, I have to start asking more and more questions on how exactly that works. But I, I do believe that the actual talent is there. It's a matter of the execution here. 
And you also have a transfer quarterback potentially starting in Casey Thompson. It's a lot to try and be put together in a very short time for Nebraska. The pieces are there. That's where these projections are coming from. But again, the puzzle is far from being put together. Nebraska needs to figure that out. And then at the bottom, Illinois and Northwestern. Uh, Illinois has a new quarterback coming in. Looks like it's going to be Tommy DeVito out of Syracuse, the transfer. And again, a new offensive coordinator for a team that was one of the worst offensively in the Big Ten. Same thing with Northwestern. Uh, With the Wildcats, there's a lot for them to try and figure out from last year's collapse. Really, it's going to be kind of them trying to play Big Ten football. Lean in on the ground and pound. They've got good offensive line play. They've got good returning running backs. There's a lot of holes to be filled around that. But but if you can try and play that game that's just a slow, grinding Big Ten football game throughout the season, Northwestern can find itself competitive and in games at the end. And when you have a Pat Fitzgerald-led team in a game at the end, that's when upsets start to happen. So if you're asking me, I believe that's all seven or on one side and all seven on the other. So for all 14 teams, I think we have everything covered. But yeah, that's what at least I think is the biggest key for each team. A lot of it's the quarterback position. A lot of it's really just a measure of how good a new play caller or coaching staff looks with what a team is already trying to build. Because we have a lot of that in the Big Ten. That was one of the bigger things I noticed, I guess, when going through. You have a team, I guess I'll read them off, Indiana, uh, Rutgers, uh, Nebraska, uh, Minnesota has a new offensive coordinator, even though that's not the same kind of situation with their success level. But you have guys who are bringing in new coaches at every level of the Big Ten. Those schools that are doing it for the protection of their job or their program, like Indiana, Rutgers, or or Nebraska. Schools that are doing it because they either got somebody back, like the Minnesota situation, or Michigan in losing its defensive coordinator to the NFL. It's all sorts of new coaches coming in and out, as always, in the Big Ten. But I think the impact that they have is going to be more closely looked at, kind of with close to, if not half of the teams in the Big Ten, having one of these situations to try and decipher, okay, how is this working? How is implementing this offense going with this roster of kids, student athletes, whatever you call them now? All of that, I think, is something that will really be put under a microscope this season, especially with how many coaching changes and new play callers we have throughout the conference. We'll finish up things with news around the Big Ten as we wrap up our Monday show on Locked On Big Ten. But before we get to any of that, as always, BetOnline is the place to go for any of your online sports gambling needs. If you need reviews and news from all the sports and lines from all around the betting world, BetOnline has it all for you in one place. It's a one-stop shop for anything you need to know about the gambling game. And if you've been doing this for a while, you know. You need to have as much information as possible to be able to be smart going into your betting day. So head on over to betonline.net to check out everything I'm talking about. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. Wrapping up the program today, just a couple of things to say from the news around the Big Ten. Uh, The Pac-12 commissioner has been saying mean things uh, from about the Big Ten and UCSC and UCLA's move over to the Big Ten. He said that they believe the Bruins and Trojans regret that decision 
to join the big direct quote from him to the athletic this is again uh, from pac-12 commissioner who i'm failing to pull up the name of as an ad is coming up in the article I'm looking at, of course. But anyway, direct quote, it's clear that USC and UCLA made a decision for short-term financial gain at the expense of their student athletes. It's 100% clear to me, it's really unfortunate, and I think they're already regretting it given the pushback that they've gotten from almost every corner of their communities. Uh, one, it's not a short-term financial move. That's just not the case. It's a all sorts of terms financial move. It's been every for term financial move. This is going to get bigger and bigger. That's George Klievkov. Klievkov. George uh, and George said it. Pac-12 commissioner. Uh, it's not a short-term financial move for starters. Uh, as far as backlash from the communities, maybe there's a point there. If I was a fan in LA right now, thinking about the prospect of having to go or having to watch my team halfway around the country half the time, yeah, maybe I'm upset, but at the same time, I'm thinking about like, okay, how many fans are there really that are going to games that are on the road? I don't think there's all that many. The ones that you would were like maybe the rivalry games, which would be against each other. And then I guess maybe against Cal which could very likely, and I would imagine, would still happen in the non-conference schedule, at least at the start. So as far as like actual impact of being able to watch your team, obviously not going to impact things. Uh, I guess the games start earlier if you're on the West Coast going for Big Ten time, right? Am I thinking of this right? Yeah, if it's like a noon kickoff in Big Ten country, it's like 10 a.m. in California, so maybe you have to get up a little earlier. But as far as like actually being able to see your team, I don't think it affects that many people. And obviously, financially, it's foolish to think that you're actually only making a short-term financial move. That was not the case, and I think has become clearly not the case. But aside from that, I mean, it's just really, if you ask me, uh, not call of desperation, but him saying what he needed to say to make the people around him happy. Because I'm sure there are plenty of people around him and around L.A. that are not super happy with this move. Let's be fair about that. There are plenty of people who I'm sure like Big 12 or Pac-12 rivalries and wanted to keep tradition going. And wanted to see, to be quite honest, USC and UCLA still at the top of that conference. Which is not going to be quite as easy moving into the Big 10. But to try and claim that they're regretting the decision, no. There's no way that's the case. And you can argue maybe that it's not best for the student-athletes, making them travel all the time. You can argue that the fans don't like it, that their teams are going to be away all the time. I don't think you can argue that the schools regret it. I do not think you can quite go that far. But anywho, uh, only other big news I had from the day. First ever Big Ten Volleyball Media Day is taking place this week. Conference organizes it as they should. Volleyball, a powerhouse in the Big Ten, of course. If any conference is going to do it, the Big Ten should have been the one to do it, and they do. Uh, three players from Nebraska, Ohio State, and Wisconsin making the 15-player All-Big Ten preseason team. Uh, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Minnesota are the top three teams in the preseason poll. Uh, Wisconsin with the only team that has multiple unanimous selections to the All-Big Ten team, uh, both Anna Smarek and Sarah Franklin. 
nominated to that team unanimously, as well as a number of other individual players from schools as well, too. So that's news around the Big Ten here for today. I'll be back tomorrow with more as we start to preview this football season. Again, we are less than a month away from Big Ten football kicking off. And you can, of course, keep up with all of it here on Locked On Big Ten. It's at Locked On Big One Zero on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm at Nate with Sports on Twitter. It's at Locked On Big Ten on Twitter, too. Again, wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow us or whatever it is that your platform has. It really helps us out a lot, of course. And we thank you for helping us as well. Be sure to listen into the other shows around the Locked On Big Ten Network of Podcasts, too. If you have a school, odds are that we have a podcast for it. So go ahead and search Locked On Gophers, Spartans, Hoosiers, whatever it is for your team, and we'll have a podcast for you as we get ready for football season. I'll be back tomorrow as, again, we're back for every single weekday now, Monday through Friday. Until then, Nate Dickinson with Locked On Big Ten.